Since the dawn of time, serial killers have haunted our streets and neighborhoods, but there are some killers whose sheer scale of evil and capacity for murder makes other killers look like saints. These are the most evil serial killers of all time. Ramadan Abdel Rahim Mansur In an Egyptian town, businesses across every street are selling products named after their local serial killer. Several restaurants had sandwiches named after him, and butchers named their lamb products too. Even tuk-tuk drivers called their services El Turbini, which is the nickname of Ramadan Abdel Rahim Mansur, the murderer of 32 children. Mansur rose through the ranks of a gang, but left organized crime for something far more sinister. He used his new skills for kidnapping and abduction and began raping and murdering children, all of which were between 10 and 14 years old. He would abduct street children on trains and sometimes even dispose of them by chucking them on the tracks. And by comparison, Mansur is the nicest person on this list. Vasily Komarov in Moscow, in the 1920s, a strange set of disappearances had the authorities tearing their hair out. People were getting murdered, and they had no idea who was doing it. But the bodies seemed to turn up the day after horses went to market, and a simple horse trader named Vasily Komarov was the prime suspect. So, authorities visited Komarov's stable and found more than horses there. Under a pile of hay was a sack containing a body that was ready for dumping. All of his victims were prospective buyers who he lured to his stable, killed, and then dumped their remains. He killed 33 people in total, while in prison, he tried to end his own life on three occasions. He told reporters, I've had a good time and don't want to live any longer. Ali Ashgar Borujerdi Never in my life have I seen a person who perpetrated such homicides and carnage. The words of the public prosecutor of Ali Ashgar Borujerdi. Ever since he was a 14-year-old child, Ashgar began raping and murdering adolescent boys. In the city of Baghdad, he would capture these young boys and dispose of them so he would never get caught. But with the police hot on his tail, he moved to Iran. While in Iraq, his body count was 25. During his time in Iran, he added another eight. He was initially captured in 1933, but they had no evidence, and he was released. In 1934, he was arrested again. He confessed. The guilt was finally eating him up inside, and he admitted to his wrongdoings. Later that year, he was hanged in front of Tehran Square. John Wayne Gacy It's not often that executions cause so much jubilation, but for John Wayne Gacy, his final day on death row was a cause for celebration. In 1972, his first kill was of a male prostitute he picked up, where he simply satisfied his urges and got rid of the evidence. But his thirst for blood only deepened after this, and he was incredibly successful at disguising the dark side of his character. His career in politics was also thriving, and he even got a photo with Rosalind Carter, the wife of the then-president Jimmy Carter. Perhaps even more chilling is Gacy's fondness for entertaining children, as a character he calls Pogo the Clown. During his role, he even joked that clowns could get away with murder. In 1978, a man named Robert Priest was missing, and Gacy was the last known person to have seen him. The police issued a warrant to search his home. What they found was horrifying. They discovered the bodies of 29 boys and young men in or near Gacy's house. Four others were found in the Des Plaines River nearby. He was a clown who brought anything but joy to the world. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy covered up his psychopathic tendencies well, but in many interviews, sometimes the mask slipped and his dark side was exposed. I would like to, uh, I'd like to be able to convey to you what that, that, uh, that experience is like, but I can't, that I won't okay. be able to talk about that. Okay. 
He was charming, articulate, and he evaded police questions multiple times. Thomas Weidegger, a professor of psychology at the University of Kentucky, said, A common trait of all psychopaths is the ability to be deceptive, to lie with ease. The classic phrase in psychopathy literature is that they wear a mask of sanity. In the end, 28 murders were pinned on Bundy, and there is believed to be much, much more. He wore his mask too well. Bundy was taken to death row, but so many questions have been left unanswered. He once said he wanted to be locked up and studied so the world would never again see another one like him. But that didn't happen. He takes to his grave the mystery of his mind. Later in this list, we'll be looking at a murderer so grotesque that he made Ted Bundy jealous. Fernando Hernandez Leva. I killed him because I had to. I don't know how to do anything else. Fernando Hernandez Leva is one of Mexico's deadliest serial killers, and worse than a lot of their deadliest cartels. A physiological evaluation was conducted on him, and it was revealed that he would murder for his own amusement. He was arrested in 1982 and 1986, but during his arrest in 1999, he confessed to 100 killings. He was suspected of 137 murders in five southern Mexican states, but was only convicted of 33, so he either exaggerated the number of murders or simply lost count in the end. It's difficult to tell. Hajj Muhammad Mesfewi Most serial killers act alone. However, in this case, Hajj Muhammad Mesfewi had a 70-year-old lady helping him with his crimes. In the late 1800s, in Morocco, Mesfewi was a simple cobbler, but his extracurricular pastime was to lure young women to dinner, drug them, kill them, rob them, and then dispose of their bodies. It was eventually found that the bodies of 26 women were buried underneath his cobbling shop. And to make matters worse, another 10 more were found buried underneath another property owned by Mesfewi. To deal with his despicable crimes, Mesfewi was simply walled alive, where he was surrounded by walls and nothing else. His cries for help were heard for days, until eventually his screams stopped. Gennady Mekasevich Gennady Mikasevich decided to volunteer at his local police force and help them out with a recent string of murders happening in his area. This provided the perfect cover, as he was the murderer. Fourteen people were falsely imprisoned for his crimes. Mikasevich also anonymously sent a letter to a newspaper claiming to be Patriots of Vitebsk, who were killing lewd women, and also signed a letter from them beside one of his victims. But this was a fatal mistake. The authorities decided to get the handwriting of every single man in the area. To their credit, they went through 550,000 signatures, and they eventually realized it was the man helping them with their investigations. He was captured and convicted of killing 36 women, and when cooperating with the police, he started cracking a few jokes. Serhii Tkhach in 2005, the funeral of a murdered young girl took place in Ukraine. It was a difficult moment for her friends and family, but all the more horrifying when one of the girls noticed her friend's killer had attended the proceedings. This was Serhit Kach. The girl had not only just accused a friend of the family of murdering their friend, but he was also a police officer. But when the authorities dug deeper, they realized that his position as a police officer helped him on a killing spree. As a criminal investigator, he was skilled at avoiding detection and knew all of the tricks of the trade. In fact, six individuals were wrong imprisoned as a result of his misdeeds. Facing trial, he was convicted of the murder of 37 women, making him one of the Soviet Union and Ukraine's worst serial killers. Moses Sitole Moses Sitole was described as the Ted Bundy of South Africa. But maybe Ted Bundy was the American Moses Sitole, as Sitole's crimes were much worse. Sitole would approach victims by posing as a businessman and offering them employment. He even created a fictitious charitable organization. It was ironically named Youth Against Human Abuse and gave his victims a false sense of security. After Sitole was recognized as having been seen with one of the victims in August 1995, police quickly learned more about his fictitious business and prior rape conviction. 
He then identified himself as the murderer when he called journalist Tamsin De Beer. He provided De Beer with a phone number to call back after the third call. Police arrived at the payphone he was using right away, but it was already too late. Sitole contacted his brother-in-law in hopes of getting hold of a gun, but unbeknownst to Sitole, his in-law had brought the police with him. Police shot him twice, injuring him before capturing him, which is why he was on crutches in court. He was convicted of 38 murders, which brings us to our top 20. Tiago Enrique Gomez da Rocha, tell me I'm beautiful. These are the words Tiago Enrique Gomez da Rocha screamed at his victims before killing them. His method of killing was simple. He would ambush them and shout, robbery. This would disorientate the victim, and they would probably remain still while he takes everything from them. Then, he would blast them with a revolver and kill them there and then. One of the survivors told media outlets what he screamed at her when trying to kill her. You're looking at my face? You're looking at my eyes? For what? You are thinking that I'm beautiful. Tell me I'm beautiful. But not many of Gomez's targets have lived to tell the tale. In a seven-month spree, he managed to kill 39 people, all of which were either female, homeless, or cross-dressers. In 2016, he was sentenced to a measly 25 years, and only 35 years of age, he may well get to see freedom again. Raman Raghav in India, in the 1960s, the authorities were struggling to get to the bottom of a murderer of at least 36 people. They had detained a man, but had nothing on him. They feared that they were at yet another loose end, until he asked for a chicken curry. Once they gave this man this classic Indian dish, he allowed them to ask any questions, and he had confessed to everything. Raghav was a brutal killer. He used the poverty of his home country to his advantage. In certain slums, people would have no choice but to sleep on the streets. Using a blunt object, he would bludgeon people to death while they tried to sleep, and managed to kill 41 people with this method. To make matters worse, homeless people were now terrified of sleeping on the streets. He was simply adding to the misery. Ahmad Suraji An Indonesian man named Ahmad Suraji awoke from his slumber. He had just had a dream where his deceased father told him that he would gain superpowers if he killed 70 women. By this time, Suraji was a sorcerer in the local area. He was mad enough to follow this supposed prophecy from his father, and he was respected enough that locals would visit his home for advice on mysticism and sorcery, including women. And the women were too embarrassed to tell people that they were visiting a sorcerer for advice too. Suraji would strangle his victims to death and, rather gruesomely, only bury them as far as their waists. Their heads were facing his house, which he believed gave him supernatural powers. But before Suraji could get to the magical number 70, a rickshaw driver who dropped one of the women to his home had tipped off the police. A search was made on the farm and an ungodly amount of bodies was discovered. He astoundingly killed 42 women and was executed by firing squad. Wang Qiang one of China's most active murderers and rapists was Wang Qiang. He was raised at home and was mainly isolated from society as the son of an abusive father. He led a solitary existence and exacted retribution on the entire universe. He committed his first murder in January of 1995. After a while, he kept up his new interest, and the numbers just kept growing. He was finally apprehended and found guilty of 45 killings in 2003. He was sentenced to death in November of 2005. His motives were unknown and will stay with him to the grave. Mohamed Bijay. On March 18, 2005, police sirens were blaring through the streets of Pakdasht in Iran. They were announcing the execution of Iran's most brutal killers and asked them to gather into the town square at 9am. Mohamed Bijay's killing method was simple. He portrayed himself as a huntsman and would ask young boys to help him out on his trip. Once they were far out into the desert and on their own, the car would make a sudden halt. Then, Bijay would sexually abuse them and kill them afterward. Other locals would then see Bijay carrying sacks with no idea of what was inside. Little did they know that he was the killer of at least 19 people. A crowd of 500 people gathered on that day, where Bijay was flogged a hundred times, some of which were inflicted by members of the victim's families. Then he was hanged from a crane to set an example that this could never happen again. 
Alexander Pichushkin. For me, life without murder is like life without food. The words of Alexander Pichushkin, also known as the chessboard killer. In a local park in Moscow, he would ask people if they would like to play a game of chess. Through his game, he came across as very charming and struck up a friendship. After a friendly game of chess, he would offer them some vodka. They would drink this vodka in a spot in the park where his dog's grave was. The other person would then see that this is a lonely man and take him up on his offer. While they walked through a secluded part of the park, Alexander would take out a hammer or pipe and bludgeon them to death. He would then chuck their remains inside a sewer pit. He soon branched out with his victims. He invited a co-worker who agreed but was suspicious of him. She gave her son a slip with Alexander's name and his phone number. And while Alexander initially denied what happened after her disappearance, CCTV from the Moscow Metro showed that he was with her at the time. Thankfully, he was sentenced to life in prison. Gary Ridgway. When hunting a killer on the loose, the FBI got unlikely assistance from a man named Ted Bundy, who was seemingly jealous and fascinated by another killer. Bundy said that the killer would return to a fresh grave. But Bundy's assistance was not enough. The person was killing sex workers and burying them near the Greenway River. These happened in the 80s and 90s, but it wasn't until DNA testing advances in the 2000s that they finally had a breakthrough. By testing a saliva sample in 1987 from a man named Gary Ridgway, they finally had their man. In his trial, he seemed incredibly normal. He even shed a tear in court. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and that is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. Florisvaldo de Oliveira. Florisvaldo de Oliveira, also known as Cabo Bruno, was a frustrated police officer in Brazil. He would detain and arrest deadly criminals, and sometimes they would get away scot-free. So, he left the police force and decided to enact his own brutal form of justice. Oliveira went after criminals in the area, but there was no innocent until proven guilty process given to them. If Oliveira was suspicious that you were a criminal, you were a dead man. The very act of having a tattoo, which usually symbolized that you were part of a gang, was enough to get you murdered. Eventually, he was captured and given 113 years in prison. However, he was released after 27 years in 2012 and kind of proved his own point that the Brazilian justice system wasn't harsh enough. But he did not enjoy freedom for too long. Shortly after being released, somebody shot him in cold blood. It was clear that despite being in prison for 27 years, his enemies still wanted revenge. Anatoly Onoprienko Anatoly Onoprienko and Serhii Rogozin were initially buddies who met at the gym. Soon their friendship grew and they started murdering together. While robbing a house together, they realized that there were people inside. There was an entire family of 10 inside this home, and they decided to kill every single one of them, which included eight children. Rogozin got out of the killing game, so Onoprienko went solo. He went to rob another car and found that five people were sleeping inside. Instead of just robbing another car, he killed every single person again. Speaking to reporters, he said, I have no regrets, no remorse, and I would do it again if I could. Andrei Cicatillo, I am a mistake of nature, a mad beast. When Andrei Cicatillo used this description of himself, it was an understatement, and it was an insult to beasts everywhere. On the outside, he was a normal family man. However, he was soon fired from his role as a teacher for trying to molest the children. During his first murder, there was a witness. The mother of the young girl he killed reported him, but Cicatillo's wife provided him with an alibi. In fact, another suspect was tried and executed for this murder. But the next time around, he was much more careful. He would rape and mutilate his victims and often 
often resort to cannibalism. He believed that his victims kept an imprint of his face on their eyes, so he always gouged them out. When facing his final verdict, he was kept in a cage like the animal he was. However, as I mentioned earlier, even animals and beasts are not so brutal. But even he was not despicable enough to make the top 10. William Unek Most serial killers spend days and hours worth of planning, but not William Unek. He went on a violent rampage with an axe while working as a police officer in the Belgian Congo and killed 25 people. Afterward, in order to start a new life, he escaped to Tanganyika, which was occupied by the British. But having gotten away with these crimes, he did not stop there. He grabbed a gun and went on another rampage. This lasted longer than an hour, and he spent a 12-hour period randomly killing people. He killed 36 people this time around, bringing his total death toll to 61. One of these people Unek killed included his own life. He was eventually captured, but his motives were unknown. Samuel Little He might just be the most prolific serial killer in US history. 78-year-old Samuel Little currently sits in a Texas jail cell where he now claims to have murdered more than 90 people in nearly half a century. Sam Little was a drifter, and shoplifting was his main source of income. He would rob stores during the day, but during the night, he would let off some steam. This mainly involved strangling and murdering sex workers and drug addicts. And he was arrested for burglary and shoplifting, whereas most of his midnight murders went unnoticed. He spent three years in prison in the 1980s and was arrested again in 2012. He was convicted of three murders, which he fought in court until the bitter end. But when he was handed a life sentence and realized the jig was up, he decided to tell the authorities about every murder he committed. During his interview, he had crystal clear recollections of murders from decades ago. So you basically roll her into a pretty big ditch that's got a bunch of... Well, it wasn't a ditch, it was a slope. Yang Xinhai. I have no desire to be part of society. Society is not my problem. These are the words of Yang Xinhai, China's most prolific serial killer. Xinhai spent a lot of time in and out of prison, but it was in the year 2000 that things really went off the wall. He would rob houses, and if there were people inside, he would kill them too. Sometimes, he would kill a home containing as many as 10 people. He broke into 26 homes, committed 23 rapes, and managed to kill 67 people, and was getting away with it too. It was until police spotted a man acting suspiciously, and on a whim, and through sheer instinct, they decided to question him. They realized that this man was wanted across four provinces and was China's most deadly serial killer. He was executed and doesn't have to worry about being part of society ever again. Kampatimar Shankaria. In 1952, India's most beloved figure, Mother Teresa, was opening up her first home for the dying. Coincidentally, that very year, one of India's most prolific serial killers, Kampatimar Shankaria, was also born. Not a lot is known about this person, and the victims did not know much about him either. They all had the same sudden fate. They found themselves casually walking down the street, then a sharp thud would hit them underneath their ear. Shankaria stunned them with a hammer and continued the job using this tool. Using this simple piece of hardware, he managed to kill kill at least 70 people in the space of a year. Thankfully, he was captured before being hanged. His last words were, I have murdered in vain. Nobody should become like me. Pedro Rodriguez Filho Pedro Rodriguez Filho was a brutal killer, but rather than satisfying some psychosexual desire like many on this list, his main motivations were vengeance and justice. He was nicknamed the Brazilian Dexter. At age 14, his father was fired from his job as a school guard, so he shot the deputy mayor of the town. He believed that his father was framed for stealing food from the school, so Filho also shot who the actual thief was too. He then moved to Sao Paulo, where he had a Robin Hood lifestyle, where he would rob and kill drug traffickers. They soon had their revenge though, 
when they killed his girlfriend, who was pregnant with his child. Filho's logic was that his gang had killed his girlfriend, so in order to exact revenge, he went on a killing spree and wiped out every single member of this gang. He was eventually captured and taken to prison, but this didn't stop him from his vigilante killing. When handcuffed and transported to another prison, he somehow managed to kill the other inmate in the prison vehicle, and this was because he was a convicted rapist. In recent years, Filho has emerged as a YouTube star known for campaigning against gang violence, which brings us to the five worst serial killers. Daniel Camargo Barbosa Gorgona Island was Colombia's Alcatraz, where it was seemingly impossible to escape. When Daniel Camargo Barbosa went missing from the prison, it was presumed that he had been eaten by sharks while swimming. But in reality, one of the world's most brutal killers was now on the loose. Barbosa was in prison for the rape and murder of a nine-year-old girl, but it's believed that he had actually murdered 80 girls by then. He had a twisted sexual fascination with virgins, and after one of them reported his rape, he decided to murder them afterward. Having fled prison, he moved to Ecuador. In the town of of Guayaquil, he added to his death toll and raped and murdered another 72 young girls. The authorities presumed that these disappearances were the workings of a gang or cult, but then they discovered a strange man carrying a bag. In this bag was a copy of Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky, bloody clothes, and a dismembered clitoris. He was later identified to be the Colombian prisoner who was believed to be the prisoner who was eaten by sharks. In fact, this man was far more deadly than any shark. Mikhail Popkov one fateful night in the 1990s, a woman is walking alone after a night out. A police officer offers her a lift home, and it was a lovely gesture from a member of the police force. As the journey wore on, she realized he was not driving her home. In fact, she would never reach home. She was yet another victim of Mikhail Popkov. Lurking in the corner of Popkov's mind was a deep and depraved hatred of women. He was apparently assisting his hometown by helping cleanse the street of prostitutes. But it was revealed that it was not just sex workers that he was targeting. He also murdered women that went out to bars at night and got drunk and deserved to be punished. His first failing was when he didn't properly finish the job. Despite being heavily beaten and dumped in the woods, a 15-year-old recovered and made her way home. At the hospital, she identified him as the killer, but his policewoman wife provided him with an alibi. It was one careless woman's testimony against the testimony of two police officers. It wasn't until DNA testing technology was used in 2012 that they finally got their man, the killer of 78 women. Khaved Iqbal in December 1999, a police station in Lahore received an incredibly startling letter. A man had confessed to the rape and murder of 100 boys and gave directions to his home address. Signed at the bottom of the letter was Khaved Iqbal, one of the world's most prolific serial killers. When the police arrived, they found barrels full of acid, where the mutilated remains of his victims had not yet fully dissolved. There were also board games, children's clothes, and small shoes. There was also Iqbal's diary, which detailed all of his horrific crimes. The Pakistani authorities believed that Iqbal deserved a taste of his own medicine. So in the same way he did to his victims, he was strangled, then cut up into pieces. He was cut into exactly 100 pieces, each one representing one of his victims. Pedro Lopez. I am the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, perhaps even a complete animal. These are the words of Pedro Lopez to police, and it's difficult to argue with his statement, other than the fact that he's only number two on this list. In 1969, Lopez was arrested for car theft, and while in prison, he was taken advantage of by three prisoners. This abuse unlocked a monster in him. He first killed the people who assaulted him, and this was believed to be self-defense, so only a few more years were added. Upon his release in 1978, he was a much more wicked man than when he went in. He began raping and murdering young girls across Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. He was dubbed the Monster of the Andes, after the mountain range which covered these three countries. A year later, a flash flood revealed four of his victims. He was also foiled in his attempt to adopt another girl, whose brave mother managed to stop him. During a short space of time, his murder rate managed to reach three figures. He was convicted of one 
110 murders and confessed to a further 240. In 1994, Lopez was released for good behavior. He was given a $50 bail and told to report to the police monthly. To the shock of probably nobody except the judge, he did not do this. His location since then has been unknown. He could still be out there. Luis Garavito The screaming and shouting you just heard was not from the victim, but the perpetrator. That was the moment when Luis Garavito, the worst serial killer of all time, finally realized the evil that he had brought into the world. Born into a small town of Colombia, Garavito was one of seven siblings and was the victim of physical and sexual abuse from his father. And during adulthood, he continued this vicious cycle of sexual abuse and molested young boys as an adult. He claims that the urge became stronger and stronger as it went on. During the late 1980s, he had to torture or molest a young boy at least once a month to satisfy these dark and depraved urges. He did this all throughout the 1970s, but did not commit his first murder until 1992. For the next few years, he went on a killing spree and was getting away scot-free every time. He would target poor neighborhoods and disguise himself as a priest or monk, offering young children jobs for them to do. Garavito's first murder to be investigated did not come until 1997. The Colombian authorities got a severe wake-up call when outside the city of Pereira, they found the mass graves of 47 children. They assumed it was a satanic death cult or criminal organization. They could not believe that this was the working of a single man. Garavito confessed to murdering 140 boys, but this number was then brought up to 189. Facing prison, he finally realized what he had done. He was the worst serial killer to ever set foot on earth. Thank you so much for watching. Please click on the other videos you see in front of you for more.